Sometimes faith can feel as cold as winter, and it can look as dark as winter too. I grew up in the cold in Wisconsin, so I understand being physically cold. But I also understand being spiritually cold, feeling distant from God because of depression, because of sickness, because of friends dying. I feel distance from God often, and I used to fight those feelings, but now I embrace them, and I sit with them. Winter Faith has become my new home. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast because sometimes faith feels like winter. All right. Thanks for being here, Homer. I've heard you on the radio for like my whole life. So it's kind of funny talking to you in person. Um, I hope it's the same. (laughs) I'm sure it will be. Something tells me you're the same (laughs) no matter what. But um, I have a story of the first time I ever listened to you on the radio. I grew up in in, uh, Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. Um, Frank Shady. I don't know if you know Frank Shady. He was my basketball coach. He was a pretty, pretty good basketball player, but I think he played in Wausau for a long time. But, um, but anyways, so my dad and I would go to Packer games once a year um, with somebody from church that had season tickets that let us use their, their tickets. And I came home one night after a Monday night game and I was listening to the radio and I was mad because the Packers were, got destroyed by somebody. And you were on the radio just ripping the Packers for being so bad. And I was like, man, he's being so honest. I'm not used to this. Like somebody being so honest, like this team is bad. And um, I just, I don't know. That was a funny story to me because I hadn't. What era was that in? Um, it would have been the 90s. It, it had to have been before Ron Wolf showed up and Mike Holmgren. No, I'm not that old. So it was between um, probably like the Sherman years. Mike oh, Sherman. okay. Because there but weren't just, that many games. There weren't that many games that it was that bad. So it was, it was one of the, um, man, maybe a Monday night game where Randy Moss okay. had like a million yards. All right. Yes. That I can see a that. Terrible yeah. game. Um, but then they went like 12 and or four and 12 one year with Favre. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, he needs to go. He needs to retire. But um, that was a long way off. <laughs> it was like 10 years later that he finally retired. But anyways, so I just was struck by you, like your honesty. And I was like, man, that's how I feel. And when I saw that you were doing a um, podcast um, about your faith, I was like fascinated by that because I was like, I love hearing you talk. I don't always agree with you, but I love hearing you talk because you have so much passion. And I was like, this guy's got to be like a charismatic, like he must have some kind of charismatic faith background, but I don't think that's accurate. So I was wondering if you could tell me what your faith background is, and then we'll get to talking about your, your faith journey a little bit. There have been a few people periodically that ask me to talk about my faith, which is fine and easy to do. And I always inform them when I start. I just want to let you know, when you finish, you'll either pray with me or for me. And initially, uh, 
some guy came up once and he said, when you said that, I, I, I didn't really get it. He said, but I do now. I will pray for you. So yeah. I don't, uh, I, I was raised a Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, it was important. There, there were eight kids and the seven brothers and sisters. Uh, so we were a small Catholic family back in the, in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And being a Catholic, going to church was important. Um, I was even at a young age, uh, demanded some level of passion and never had a strong faith because I judged mm -hmm. this by mm -hmm. how excited people were. And I always thought, well, right. this is that important. How come I can't notice it anybody in anybody? Um, as I've grown older and having uh, investigated many faiths, I understand that a Catholic faith is is more of a private thing. You, uh, the way it's built up, and and so that behavior is normal. But it's it's ignorant to think that there isn't a strong faith and passion that people have. They just don't show it because that's the nature of the service. That's the nature to me of the foundation of the faith. And so, um, as kids can be, that was pretty stupid. But that's my standard. Um, and then started going to public schools and then you would go to CCD with other kids. And, um, and so somehow I always thought it was important, but I didn't buy it. And then I don't know when it was in college, um, when I was a freshman at Wisconsin and my parents were talking about visiting, I had to go find where the Newman center was cause I'd never been there. And fortunately for me, they canceled the trip. Um, uh, I, and then after a year of college, I quit college and went out and played tennis for a year. And I only bring that up because then I transferred to the University of Arizona. And for some reason, I decided that I needed to start going back to church. And they had a service Sunday night, which allowed me to go get a pizza and then go to mass. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are these questions that I, you know, you wish you could ask God because it makes no sense. Right. And then over time, it just grew and grew. And I, at about 26, I was teaching tennis. I actually considered becoming a priest. Uh, and so I went to the, the to our church and, and uh, the, the priest said, well, you need to think about it a little bit. And then it really came down to, um, like, you can't have a family. You can't have sex. Right. And I said, right. I'm not giving all that up. <laughs> but you, you would have known that already. That's what I said to the priest. I did, but I hadn't given being a priest that enough. So now it's like, I, I could do this. This is, this is really important. It's important to me. It's important for me to talk to other people, which has never been difficult, probably because mm -hmm. my father was a professional speaker. Uh, then it really came down to, okay, you're going to do it? Nope, not giving up sex. And the priest smiled kind of as people don't know I can see you. And he said, <laughs> I, I think that's a good decision. You know, like that, <laughs> not pray on it, think about it a couple more days, but. Um, yeah, good choice. Yeah. And um, it was more, the sex sounds bigger, but it was more about having a family. I thought that was part of almost like a job. Like my parents had eight kids and I kept thinking if they didn't have any kids, I wouldn't be here. So right. clearly having kids comes with the territory. So that ended being a priest. And then um, 
I had gone to the Assembly of God Church for a while, and I'd gone to the Baptist Church for a while. Um, various people had asked me just randomly, I don't know why. And my parents were very happy when they found out that my fiance was Catholic, um, which always <laughs> amazed me because I didn't know why being Catholic was that important, they would thought. But I think they, the way they were brought up, um, there are eight of us, uh, the majority of us who have a strong faith found it outside the Catholic Church. My younger brother found it through Athletes in Action. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. I, I don't know where I found it. I don't know why that occurred and it's impossible for me to to explain it. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe when I was going to uh, was going to broadcasting school or something, it just it. I've always I, I, I look forward to uh, this sounds odd to dying so I can talk to God and go, OK, was this all just luck or right. well, I want a 1-800 God number. This is where people are going to start praying for me to where you can call God and just ask, was this just luck or was this God's, you know, plan for my life or however you put it? Because mm -hmm. I think in some cases, God would go like, no, I was watching you. Yeah, you shouldn't have made that one. I was, you were lucky there. Or yeah, this is part of your plan. So that alone, that concept that I have may find, uh, be offensive to some people. I'm sorry. My faith is I reserve the right as a Catholic to have whatever faith I want, because that's kind of how we do it. Well, so we can just pick and choose whatever our spots are. And um, God must be somewhat either amused or forgiving or enjoys it because he, you know, seems to still talk to me. And we have great conversations and it's a huge part of my life. But I would say a certain percentage right now of those listening probably are praying for me. So that's OK. So I grew up, um, like I said, I grew up in Oshkosh. My dad came from a family of, of eight kids as well uh, in Wisconsin and Wausau, and they moved around a little bit. But um, my grandpa was a, a Church of Christ uh, minister, and um, so I grew up going to church as well. And I was always encouraged to ask questions. Like, you kind of joke about, you know, people praying for you because, you know, I've heard you say, like, um, on your um, YouTube podcast, like, man, if this is God's plan, like, God needs to get a new plan. Like, this plan stinks. And that was always kind of like how I, I think I connect with that a lot because I'm always like, why would there be so much suffering? Why would there be so much pain? So like my podcast, I call it winter faith podcast, because I feel like we all have these questions growing up in Wisconsin. Like I understand winter and how dark and cold it can be for so long. And you kind of get down and depressed and you're like, what is going on? Um, and you hope the Packers are in the playoffs because then the economy is better and people are happy, but they're not always. And so what, yeah, what are those questions that you wrestle with um, when you think like, God, what are you doing? Um, that's kind of like what my podcast is all about. So I think you'll, your, uh, your listeners are right with you. So uh, I would say I was always skeptical on these things of why God let, lets bad things happen to good people. No, God let bad things happen to everybody. Right. I mean, this premise of it's part of God's plan. I go, when something bad happens, people are surprised. I go, why should you be surprised? I checked his resume. He's let this stuff happen for thousands of years. He's right. got a bad record of this. Um, right. Not because you accept that he can change anything. Mm -hmm. That's my mm -hmm. view of my thing. God can make a miracle. God can do everything that occurs. Right. He allows to occur. You know, I've always thought I, if I see him, I'm like, what was the deal with Haiti? Why don't you like Haiti? Come on. Like everything bad happens to Haiti and then it even gets worse at Haiti. But it's 
I just assume he probably lasts. Um, but uh, I never had to address this too much because I believed it's part of God's plan because things were pretty good. Like I could handle everything. Then mm. the stepson of my younger brother committed suicide. Mm. I'll start crying. Mm. Um, so it's been um, almost four years. Yeah. I can cry every day. Yeah. And then I had to say, I can't handle this as part of God's plan. I can't accept this. This is God, part of God's plan, and I would be mad at him forever. I don't know how you could do it. You don't need to know the particulars, but I realize I'm at a position where clearly other people have been. And terrible things have happened in my life. My older brother um, died of brain cancer, and he was a brilliant physicist at 56. Somehow I got through that, and however I did it, this one I couldn't. And so I walked around saying, God, I can't, I don't want to cry every day the rest of my life. I cannot handle this. And one day he said to me, you'll never understand it. You just have to learn to accept it. You have to accept it. And I thought, all right, I'll buy that. I'm in. And that was his way to give me peace. I have never asked my brother to know his. Um, when his son passed away, it was more he felt happy because he didn't think his son stepson would be in pain anymore. I was incapable of understanding that. My point is that I now am certain that one of God's greatest strengths is his ability to give peace of mind when people suffer terrible things because it happens all the time. He doesn't prevent those. But what he can do for everyone is somehow give them a peace of mind so they can move on and not be destroyed or have the rest of their life ruined mm -hmm. by trying to figure out or whatever. Um, and so that's, I mean, it's huge to me. I, I don't know how he did it to me. I don't know how he does it to other people, but I'm an accountant, actually. That was my college degree. I just look at the numbers, mm -hmm. the people that can't ask and don't ask God for this, the percentages is horrible. Their lives are ruined. They never recover. And every story you hear about someone like mine who has to somehow find a way to get through the winter, like you say, mm -hmm. it's always this. And everybody's, his ability is different for every person. Someone could listen right. to me and go, that doesn't make any sense. Why sure. do you accept it? I don't know. I can't tell you that. All I know is he asked me, that was his explanation to me. And either that's how it occurred or I'm crazy and I prefer not to be crazy. And the next day it was different. Said, don't try to understand it. Just accept it. Now, do I accept it because it's part of God's plan? Not really. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. that's just a terrible plan. Mm -hmm. Really. I mean, who would do that? The God that loves everyone. The greatness of God is his love for everyone. That's how he's figuring things out. That doesn't add up. I don't have to figure that part of it up, out. To me, mm -hmm. he answered, he gave me peace of mind in that way. And I think if I asked other people, they would all have probably different stories. But I guarantee you, they've achieved a sense of peace through their discussion, their relationship with God, and him touching. I don't know that he touches your heart as much as he touches your mind. Because if he doesn't touch your mind, your heart will never change. Um, so this is... 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there. I, I, I never thought I would ever get there. I know for 30 years I said, hey, to everybody, to our kids, you know, accept everything. It's part of God's plan. Until you have something that occurs that hurts so badly that mm-hmm. you can't accept that as part of God's plan because you don't think God could be that evil. And I understand his plan is bigger and whatever, but mm-hmm. his plan also understands how people are going to take it. Mm-hmm. So I, I am I am in awe of listening to people tell stories like mine and go, God, you're amazing. This is incredible. These are miracles. This should not happen. And it does over and over and over again. And if I still can't figure out, and I'd be lying if I said, I believe this, it's part of God's plan, because it doesn't make sense to me. But I understand. I've never felt like I have to ask him the same way. Well, then explain it to me, because... I can easily understand that his plan could be letting humans be humans and bad things happen. And he allows some things to happen and some he doesn't. And yet he knows one thing that whatever happens as bad as humanity can be, he can save people's hearts and their minds and their lives through his incredible, um, incredible way to touch them. If they ask, it's always, you know, you got to ask God, well, if you ask, he will turn your winter. I don't know that he turns it into summer, but right. he will end that winter. There, there's one thing I know for sure. He can do this for every human being if they ask and listen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's I- to me a miracle that's as great as, not as great, because I mean, there's nothing as great as, is bringing your son dying for everybody's sin so they go to heaven but in terms of human life and i go to the catholic mass and they say peace of christ i i never even thought of christ as peace and yet it's said so often in the gospels and that mm-hmm. in this to me is exactly that it is the the peace that he can give people that logically have no business having any peace given what's occurred to them yeah, I think there's something about finding maybe you don't go from winter to summer or like right away you go into resurrection from the crucifixion, but you find peace and contentment in God despite whatever you're in. That's like to me what you're saying. Like I, it's, you're saying I accepted it. I don't understand it, but I accept it. Yeah, and if somebody um, said, well, why do you accept it? I go, I don't know. Yeah, That was his answer to me. It was answered to me. And I, it, this was months after it occurred when I just said, I, I got tired of crying every day. And I can't explain why suicide seemed so much worse to me than cancer or anything. I mean, I know logically it's because someone chooses to do that. You have bad things happen. No, you choose yeah. to end your life. And that just seems so tragic to me. Um, but I asked, and like the next day, it's like somebody knocked on the door with FedEx. I go, Okay. Yeah. I mean, he didn't give me an answer that I wasn't going to buy. Because if God had said to me, it's part of my plan, I go, I'm sorry, I can't buy that. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta help me in a different way. And he did. Mm-hmm. A better way for me, um, maybe not for the next person. I No, it's a very common answer for people who go through terrible things is, this is part of God's plan. God is great. And the other part that it's always been hard for me mm-hmm. that I wonder why I don't. And that is, um, well, if there, if something terrible happens and you know, they're going to heaven, 
You should have a parade, not a funeral. I mean, how much do we really believe that people are going to heaven? Because we say that by our actions. Funerals should be just some of the great parties ever, ever. Mm. They're not. Why is that? Because we say it, but we're not really that sure, especially (laughs) someone who you know is faith-filled. What are you doing? We're just partying for the next five days. Just come over to our house. Our whatever's going to heaven. We know it. You know it. We're just giving stuff away. There can be no happier day than when you die. Mm. That's the best day of your life, your death, if you really believe that you have eternal life and you're going to heaven. It's not even close. And how many people throw big parties? Now you say, but you're sad personally. Okay, you cry a little bit, but how important is that? Then it's about you, not about them. Oh, you're sad. I feel your pain. The dude, whoever it is, is in heaven. You can't see that. You can only think about you. Funerals might be the most selfish events we have. Mm. If we make it all about us. Of course it is, because everybody's sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it could kind of be both things at the same time. You know, no, like they can't be equal. You can't convince not, me. They're equal. Not equal. Not equal. I know, but yeah, yeah you yeah. go. How many funerals you've been where you felt it was as much a party as a funeral? Oh, never. Yeah, never. never. I never. rest my case. <laughs> I think I was just saying you. We do have this ability as humans to kind of hold more than one emotion at the same time, but they're not the yeah. equal. They're not. But I mean, equal. this is the greatest. The greatest day of your life other than when you are born again or believe in believe in jesus mm-hmm. um is the day you die i mean mm-hmm. my greatest day is the day i die yeah i mean i i, I get you <laughs> i hear what you're saying um i mean i had what, a friend once who said who said i just can't wait to die and i go I, that just seems so negative you know you don't you don't want it to affect your life because uh, there are so many things you can do, but I don't know how anybody can argue that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about this, just hearing you talk about, you know, the relationships and how much pain and suffering you have through other people and just, you know, having like being a father, um, my son turned two today and like how much more difficult it is to see somebody else that you love go through pain rather than yourself. Like, it's like, I can take this. But if, if you're going through something as my friend, that's so much more difficult. Um, and I was wondering if that's been true for you, because I know you personally have gone through, you know, some some personal difficulties. Um, but how much more difficult it is to see like your son or your wife or somebody else go through something. Yeah, that, that to me is the definition of love um, of when you think of them before you think of yourself. But I can't. I just, it's just been nothing, you know, to me in those, all those things that have occurred have just nothing. They, they're, you know, and how do I decide? I decide because when I think of someone else and start to cry. So for somebody else, it may be, but it just, it's just not that hard. Um, And if I ever thought it was hard, then it was up until that one event occurred in my life. Um, yeah are you, the one event for you was like a car accident right no it was like, the, uh, she, again the, the stepson who committed suicide okay, okay. four years ago none of the the car i mean i just haven't been in that much pain and it, mm-hmm. may, it may have been tough for 
the people around me. Um, but I don't, um, it just, it's just not that bad. Yeah. In comparison. Yeah. Right. I mean, and yeah. everybody's, everybody's right. that way. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying, you don't, you don't know what's going to hit you. And when something really hits you like that, then everything else is piece of cake. No, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, um, I feel terrible for people that have like Alzheimer's or different things and the pain that people go through. It's, I mean, what I dealt with is just, is just nothing. So mm -hmm. I think I've heard you say like, you know, like we all compare grief and that's kind of how our mind works. I, I think you talk about that a little bit and I'm kind of wondering like, when are, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to tell all these stories so I can read them? You know, I, I don't want to, I have this great fear that I'll write it and no one will read it. <laughs> And well, two, just have it published after you're gone. That way, you maybe. Know. I mean, I don't. Uh, people can just take what I've said and turn it into a book, however they want. <laughs> I can't remember half the things. And and then the problem to me with books is that uh -huh. I don't know how truthful I can be. Hmm. What like, do you mean? There's some things I don't want to say. People I didn't like, things that irritated me. So you're writing a book. It's kind of somewhat true. I mean, my faith. That part of it, I could probably do. Yeah. Um, but even that, your the faith and things that occurred, I'm I'm leaving stuff out, mm -hmm. and I want to. So then, how much is it really the truth? Um, hmm. I'm I'm happy with uh, the things that I've said. This and, and maybe someone will think it's um, it's important enough. Um, so I, that, but I think part yeah. of the fear is part of the fear is no one will read it. What was the point? But Five why is read it. why is that different than getting on the air and you know speaking about your faith or you know you made a youtube page what if nobody watches it like how well, is part of it part of it is i'm just kind of lazy i guess <laughs> i mean the book takes yeah. effort. all these things occur um the yeah. the the my faith with homer and pip which we do on youtube mm -hmm. uh, was totally the result of my fascination with uh mother Teresa, who i think is just one of the greatest humans ever Mm -hmm. And I would just thought it was for what she did. Then I start, someone gave me a book about the things she said. And mm -hmm. uh, I agree with everything. I think everything she said is so brilliant, so mm -hmm. perfect. Um, and so part of it is that she helps all these people in India, but they weren't mm -hmm. going to let her help them because, because they thought she was Christian. And then it meant changing everybody into a Christian faith. And mm -hmm. she said, no, I just, you pray to your God, I'll pray to my, mine. And then she saved all these people and did all these great things. And so I thought the greatness to me of my faith is that everybody's story is different. Let everybody tell their story. We've never once said, how can you believe that? What do you believe? I don't, it's not the interest. The interest is for people to hear other stories and recognize that in the difference, there's just always a similarity. Mm -hmm. And that was, and that's what I love doing. We've had We've had a couple of Jewish people on. We've had, we haven't had, but at some point we will. And certainly within the Christian faith, you just have this wide range. Right. And the reason I assume it's not going to be financially successful is because you're basically saying, all right, we're going to do a football thing, but we're going to have every team is equal. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a Packer. I, I just want Packer stories. Yeah, it's, it's the way it sure. goes. Um, sure. But the, that's my fascin has been my fascination just because of of that's the approach that mother and if she had stood by no you have to allow me to to speak of my faith 
think of all the people whose lives would never have been changed and all that has occurred because of her um, her group and what she's created based on agreeing to that, which is a fundamental violation of everything about missionaries. No one goes to a missionary and says, well, you can't tell me about Christ. No, that's what you do. Mm. And she didn't not talk, you know, she didn't change her, but she violated that fundamental rule to me of missionary. And as a result, and so maybe I'm doing the same thing in a much smaller way of recognizing the faith stories rather than the specific denomination group. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time, Homer, and it's so good to, to meet you kind of in person and just, you know, I just continue to love your passion and, and I love what you're doing with uh, my faith on, on YouTube. And I, yeah, I just hope you keep doing it. Now, I look forward to hearing other people's stories. So as I said, the part of my faith is the realization that Either this is all real or I'm insane and I don't want to be insane. So um, I feel lucky. Um, mm. God is great. God loves other people. But the part I feel most blessed about is the understanding and trying to let everyone realize that one of God's greatest gifts is the ability to give you peace. Um, and you may not need it yet. I hope you never need it but I'm guessing you probably will. And he's there for you in a way that you won't think is possible and he will get it done. He always does. Cool. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for listening to this show today, everybody. I just want to give a few shout outs. Today's music, the one and only Josh Cleveland, today's artwork and all the Winter Faith, artwork and digital design, Dominique Montaigne. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox, and I am just grateful to be creating and editing this podcast. My name is Andy Frazier. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Winter Faith Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe on all those platforms and also we are on patreon if you would like to support the show and also leave a review on itunes at the winter faith podcast thanks for listening and we will see you next week